everyone, it's Mary Ann Stewart. Welcome to Bold and Brazen. I'm thrilled that you're here. This is the show where I share my love of textiles and fabric, fashion and style, education and history, and where it all intersects with sustainability and the environment, politics and policy, and the economy. Now, some of the episodes coming up are going to feature interviews with people from a range of industries like sewists and makers, fashion environmental activists, farmers and ranchers, weavers and dyers, sustainability professionals, and so much more. Bold and Brazen is brought to you by Fresh Circle. That's F-R-E-S-H-C-E-R-C-L-E. Fresh Circle on Instagram and Facebook and FreshCircle.com. Check it out and follow along. Hey, everybody. How you doing? It's Marianne. Two names, no E. Hope you're doing well and um, just thinking about you and hoping that all the good things are happening. Uh, Just remember to breathe and take some fresh air, whether you can take a bike ride or a a walk or something that gets you up up and outside every day um, will make such a difference. Um, I find this is an extremely challenging time, of course, and uh, just want you all to be as mentally healthy and aware as as you can be. Um, So anyway, I uh, spent a little time in the last episode talking about this amazing book by Rebecca Burgess called Fiber Shed, but I wanted to back up a little bit before I start going into uh, Fiber Shed and and everything, because it's so, it, it is just so, so good. Um, okay, I just got to do do it justice. I wanted to back up to another um, another book that that kind of you know prepared me for Fiber Shed, and that happened in 2016. In or I guess it was December 2015 when I got uh, a book for um, the holidays for Christmas. I got a book called Slow Stitch, which um, is by Claire Wesley Wellesley Claire Wellesley Smith and um the book was just oh it's just it's a wonderful book it's it's all about mindful contemplative stitching and she also introduced some um explore creative explore encourages creative exploration with local dyes and you know creating your own dyes from local plants. And so when I got this book, it was winter and wasn't really a lot to, to go foraging around my uh, yard for, but as soon as it got to be early, early spring, late winter, early spring, I went out and gathered some plants and uh, didn't really know what I was doing, but I started exploring and experimenting with gathering, you know, some local flora and crushing up my plants and making some dyes and finding some scrap fabric that I could use and seeing what would come out. And it was just a wonderful, you talk about 
looking for new ways to push your creativity and find new things to do. And this was really wonderful. This was one of them. And so for the next couple of years, I just, through the seasons, I explored with plant material. I also explored with different metals that we had, you know, I found bottle caps and nails and rods and other things, just different bits of metal around, excuse me, and um, started experimenting and exploring what would happen with the various dyes and the various metals that were put in my pots and things with the plants. I also uh, wrapped up my my clothing bundles and buried them under some leaves and uh, you know, in the fall and then unburied them, dug them up and um, opened them up in the following spring. Like, uh, I guess it was around April, March or April, and just opening them up and shaking out the debris and seeing what what came of them. And I love the staining that just took place. I did some eco printing uh, that following that next summer. And then the next year, I uh, it seems like things just kind of went on hold. Well, that's not true. I from some of the fabrics, then I did explore mindful contemplative stitching, just doing running stitches and um, practicing not not embroidery, but just stitching and more of the um, like shashiko. Uh, Japanese kind of stitching, mending stitches. And then I really started playing with mending. And um, I would say, you know, just patching and using these long running stitches uh, or repetitive running stitches, I would say, and doing different shapes and playing with uh, different knots and trying different things. I also had uh, managed to mangle a sweater that I knitted from some really beautiful mohair. And because of the mohair is very hard to take out, you know, couldn't really undo the sweater. I finished the sweater and, um, and then I felted it and it gave me some material then to create patches. And so I played with the patches and played with doing some of uh, the embroidery or some of the stitching on these patches. And that was fun too. So for a couple of years then, I was really getting into that and exploring all of that and uh, loved the idea of creating natural dyes and was thinking, gosh, yeah, before we had chemical dyes, everything was created from natural dyes. And think about the... um, the weavers and the spinners and dyers down in um, the southeastern part of the United States when I was down in South Carolina this past winter and early spring, I visited the Florence County Museum, which had a lot of um, relics from, it didn't have as much in the way of textiles and things that I was hoping for, but it did have some relics that showed some of the uh, fabric that was made and some of the clothing that was worn and things like that. But um, it didn't really go into 
talking about indigo production and things like that. Um, however, the you know the I know from around here in Lexington where. Uh, at the Patriots Day celebrations, the reenactors will talk a lot about the challenges of the time in the Revolutionary War, uh, before the before the Revolutionary War, the the tax um, boycotts, uh, the Stamp Act, the tea boycotting of the tea tax, um, and other and other taxes, just because you know boycotting fine fabric that was imported from Europe. They made their own uh, and they dyed them with the colors of the plants and material that was available here. But in any case, this slow stitching really got me, uh, just put me in a really happy place to explore making and creating. And I was thinking about running some courses. And so when I I went down to Virginia to visit my friend Amy down there. Um, I was trying to share with her this newfound love that I had with this process. And so we played a little bit while I was down there for a few days. And then I ran for uh, public office and kind of got off track for a couple of years. But I'm back now and uh, really excited about so much of what. Um, what the fiber shed and natural dyeing and uh, things will actually help us uh, recover from this climate crisis. Um, and but it also has me thinking too that you know a lot of times we hear that um, or I've heard it said that you know natural fibers are the best. You know they're better than you know the synthetic fibers and things. And when I think about it, so before I actually was making conscious choices for just the comfort of natural fibers and things, you know, we had a lot of synthetic fiber. Uh, no, it wasn't comfortable. And you think about, um, you know, plant or animal-based uh, fibers have been marketed as a uh, more natural, more environmentally friendly option for clothing, but in fact, they're also a product that is uh, that experiences extremely chemical intensive processes uh, when you're talking about manufacturing on a, a on a large scale, large production uh, for mass mass produced clothing. You know, we you probably know that cotton requires or organic cotton requires an immense amount of water to grow it, um, and that wool at an an industrial scale, wool production has been exposed for um, cruel animal cruelty in the treatment of sheep. Um, you know, so trying to get to more regionally scaled kind of infrastructure for the kinds of uh, plants and animals that you would need going forward instead of, you know, a massive in, industrial scale, um, you know, to think smaller. You know, I, I like that a lot. Um, hemp is something I'm hearing a lot more of. I was uh, watching a Zoom conference and someone was, was uh, talking a lot about hemp silk and hemp fibers. And this is currently 
one of the most promising alternatives, um, natural fibers. Uh, it's really durable uh, and it requires very little fertilizer or water to grow. And it is, um, you know, pest, re re um, what do you call it? It's resilient and it, it self-seeds. And so it's, it's an awesome fiber to explore. So I'll have to check that out. But the truth is uh, the global scale of production is just rife with issues. There's no purity. We've just been at this producing clothing for so long that, you know, one of the best things that we can do for the environment now is to just buy fewer things, fewer textiles, of course. And you know, the global production of, of uh, chemically based dyes is just terrible for our environment. And when you're talking about um, just the, all the parts of the world where this kind of process is not regulated, well, it's a problem. And then you don't even have to go outside of our country. Um, you know, there were a number of garment factories in LA that were found by the Department of Labor to be exploitive of labor. And so now thinking about ethical behavior in terms of uh, consumer process and consumer factory production is incredibly important. So all these are some of the topics that I'll be talking a lot more about um, because we just have so much. Uh, we, you know, we know our global trash problem in general. We know the challenges we have in the United States and, you know, with just with recycling and, you know, we were sending stuff to China to, to get recycled and, you know, they're not taking it anymore. Um, that's just one aspect. So there's a lot here and I'm just, uh, really interested in learning more and finding out more and sharing more. So very soon I will be, um, interviewing some people on some of these topics and I'm really looking forward to it. If you have suggestions, please DM me, send me, send me your ideas. I will have a little more in the outro. And I think I'm going to end this here. And I thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, maybe you can think of someone who would also enjoy it. Go ahead and forward them the link or head over to Apple podcast and leave a five-star review that will help others find me also. This episode of Bold and Brazen has been sponsored by Fresh Circle. That's F-R-E-S-H-C-E-R-C-L-E. -E. Follow on Facebook and Instagram, and please DM me with any questions or suggestions for the show. Check out my website at www.freshcircle.com. That's F-R-E-S-H-C-E-R-C-L-E. -E. Fresh Circle, a passion for creativity and the environment.